Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Esther Matildiadis, an Alexander Technique teacher in North London, England. Esther has worked a lot with uh, children, and, and specifically she's worked with another Alexander teacher in England named Sue Mary, who has been working with children for many, many years at the Educare Small School in Kingston. And she's also an assistant teacher for the Developing Self, a specialized uh, postgraduate training course for Alexander teachers uh, working uh, in education. And we've, uh, uh, Esther and I have had two previous conversations, one about her work at the Educare Small School, in, which places a, a, quite a bit of emphasis on introducing Alexander Technique ideas to children. Uh, we also had a conversation more generally about the Alexander Technique and children. And today we're going to be talking to parents who uh, are interested in what we've been talking about, interested in the Alexander, Tec Alexander Technique ideas generally, and want to know what, they can, what practical steps they can take to help their children, uh, specifically children who are going to uh, schools, typically public schools in the U.S., and I guess... In England, they have a different name, state schools. Um, state schools. State yes. schools. But th that's who we. This that's who this podcast is directed at. So, uh, Esther, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. It's lovely to be here well, with it's, you. It's great talking to you again. Uh, we've got a lot of good feedback from earlier uh, earlier conversations that are podcasts. Um, before we get into our topic today, could you just uh, give our listeners a, a very short description or definition of the Alexander Technique? Yes, I thought I'd modify the uh, definition I sure. gave before and say, sort of say it in terms of children. So Alexander Technique helps children respond to life in a more coordinated poised and considered way which helps improve both physical and mental well-being mm -hmm. so I thought make it easier <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, I think that probably a lot of parents of children who have spent a, a two or three or four years or more in school have noticed that their children aren't quite don't seem as coordinated and as easy in their bodies as they were before school and so we're, we we want to talk a little bit first about school itself and what issues come to the fore there the, the the thing that strikes me about school is that you're suddenly asking a, a child to sit relatively still in standardized furniture, which may not fit him or her for long periods of time. Yes. Um, and could you uh, would you like to elaborate on that a bit? 
Yeah, I mean, it seems to be the experience that at kindergarten, children are encouraged to move and and use very um, good furniture quite often. That's mm-hmm. uh, They're encouraged to lie on the floor or sit on stools that have flat tops, which is brilliant, mm-hmm. um, or, or stand and, and do work. And then suddenly when they hit uh, formal age school, their furniture is worse. They often have backs back slanting uh, seated chairs um, so that your hips are slightly lower than your knees and yes not often very adjustable furniture tables are either too tall or or chairs are too tall for the children to actually put their feet on the floor so um, and they're they're asked to sort of try hard and and sit for long periods of time where children really actually want to move quite a lot Mm-hmm. And just, we don't want to get too technical here, but uh, having a, a seating surface that's backwards sloping, mm. uh, just, we won't go into the details here, but biomechanically, that is not a great idea for anybody. And mm. it, 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 tends to, it tends to produce support in the wrong parts of your body that uh, creates all sorts of distortions. And a lot of times, kids are sort of stuck with that. They don't really have a choice, especially any any kid that has longer legs, for example, is going to have a real issue with standard size chairs, right? Yes, right. yeah, and the other way around. And the other way around. <laughs> and, and not even just in uh, in classrooms, but I can remember visiting my my daughter's middle school cafeteria once and it was just amazing to me that there would be these tables that seated I think eight people two on the far ends and three on each longer side and they the kids were sitting on on rounded uh, surfaces that were bolted to the table so there was no option to change anything no, all no, kids fixed. of vastly different sizes and shapes were stuck in the same situation. And I think in in general, those kind of furniture decisions are based on um, making life easy for custodial staff, stacking chairs, that sort of thing. But... Um, but the the price to pay for the kids is is pretty high so yes. in terms in terms of parents interaction with if a parent is concerned about what's going on with their their child i suppose one possibility is to is to somehow introduce some alexander training or some alexander thinking even uh, yes. into the school system. And I know you've done some work on that. Could you describe that a little bit? Um, yes, I'm part of um, a special interest group um, that's in the, um, the UK and it's looking at Alexander in education. So um, as part of that, we've developed um, curricula, 10-week curricula for schools, primary, secondary and tertiary level actually. So that's sort of primary schools, secondary schools and at university level and uh, introductory 10 week courses that schools um, and colleges can buy into 
or at the very least um, inset days. So teachers have training days and we can introduce um, concepts and the benefits of Alexander Technique through those initially um, to see if the, the teachers would be interested in um, bringing sort of more Alexander Technique into the schools. Mm -hmm. So, and part of the training that I'm assisting on is teaching Alexander teachers um, ways in which to bring those ideas into schools and create jobs, hopefully. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and and I know you've done some work kind of coordinating that initiative with the official UK stand uh, program yes. for schools. So if you're in England, there is there are these resources available um, that are specifically directed at the British school system well sort of internationally school. actually um, mm -hmm. we've had people on the course from Japan and the States and mm -hmm. throughout Europe and they're very sort of generalized they're sort of flexible 10-week programs so that mm -hmm. you can um, uh, create something and be creative and be an individual Alexander teacher but have guidelines so that there's a, a sort of general this is what you would expect if you have Alexander technique in a school setting Mm -hmm. Right. So <clears throat> now I don't I don't want to uh, downplay that, but I remember uh -huh. talking to my wife about this idea, uh, similar ideas back in the day. She she taught school mainly at a middle and and uh, high school level, but one of the things she said to me was the teacher in, in America anyway teachers here are frustrated by just the immense amount of stuff they're being asked to do around yes. testing and all kinds of things there they there's a lot of dissatisfaction in the teaching profession uh, from from some sort of overload issues and when you uh, say to an elementary school we got a new thing for you to do the <laughs> initial response is good god i'm already doing way too much yes. so um i'm not saying it can't happen and it would be wonderful if it happened and maybe it could happen with uh pe teachers of, of mm. whom of whom there still are a few in america and it doesn't seem to be a real popular subject anymore I know that my my kids managed to weasel out of taking any PE courses, essentially. <laughs> um, but I mean, so you know, just to be realistic about it, if you're a parent and you and you want to take that approach, just be aware of that that problem in the states, anyway. Yes. So, yeah. so another way that um, parents could be proactive is just taking a look at their kids who are carrying backpacks to and from school, and uh, take a look and and I think you're going to see that in many cases uh, that's really distorting their posture, and you might even, as a parent, take that backpack and put it on your own pack, and then realize your kid's weight is way less than yours, and just imagine what carrying something like that around involves. Yeah, yeah I mean, do you have any that's any so thoughts heavy. on that? You have any uh, thoughts on on that? Uh, I know it's a very tricky one. Um, my son is at secondary school and his backpack is 
enormous and then there's days when he has art and PE so they're you know carrying huge weights and they don't seem to have lockers anymore for you know children to leave things in and that would be just a wonderful thing Um, so I know my son's school for the the first year they attend secondary school they have lockers but then as they go through the school they don't so I mean that would be a wonderful thing to plan into a school to have some lockers so that children didn't always have to carry all their books around with them. Right well you know when I was going to school we had lockers from junior high on up Mm. middle school on up but um, I think one of the things that's happened in the U.S. is that lockers are no longer provided because of drugs and they don't want places for the kids to store them so an unintended consequence of that of course Mm. is this this weight issue yes Um, yeah but so i think it would be good for parents to be aware of it and see if there are some ways around it maybe the kids Mm. might even pay to get some extra copies of books for home use um even though they're expensive it could s- save their their children yes. an awful lot of headaches down the road yes so those are some uh, proactive uh, uh ideas for parents involving schools one way or the other hmm. but uh there maybe you could talk a little start by talking a little bit about how parent like if a parent starts to observe that their their kids are uh, just don't their posture doesn't look good they're just um generally not as easy in their bodies as they were a few years ago some suggestions for parents to deal with that address that outside of the school system Mm. I think um, one good way of of dealing with uh, sort of posture and awareness is through if you're dealing with younger children as they're growing up is through stories Mm -hmm. and um, we use storytelling and characters at Educare Um, and then you've got some characters um, Terry Tall and Digby Down that you can play around with and role playing games so it makes it fun and they become curious about their bodies and we're not talking about right and wrong but sort of choices that children can make rather than um, saying stand up straight, sit up straight you're slouching again (laughs) rather than being a punitive thing Um, so uh, yeah I think it does seem like it's going to have to come via the parent's own example, don't you think? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's It would be very, very helpful if um, parents had um, some lessons um, in Alexander Technique so that they can, yes, teach by example. Because we just copy our peers, you know, children. that's how right. children learn, we copy. Right. So if your mum's telling you to stand up straight, but she's not, <laughs> right. and you're copying her example, it's not going to work. Yeah, and you know, uh, our the founder of the technique, uh, F. Matthias Alexander, has an interesting passage in one of his books where he talks about uh, nannies, parents um, 
back in the day. I guess in England, pretty much everyone had a nanny. Um, and he said, well, typically a parent, when they're looking for a nanny, will go for the cheapest one they can find. And they, the last thing they're looking for is a good, good use of the, the nanny's good use of their own physical mechanism. That's not really in, on their radar. And, uh, and he's, he points out that, that children are, are incredible, incredible mimickers of people yes. around them, especially people around them a lot. I think most parents are aware of that. And not only that, but he pointed out they are especially good mimickers of any pattern that's extreme in one version or another. They'll yes. go for the weird. And uh, now today, uh, when people choose nannies or child care people they they go through their criminal record for sure i mean that's a big thing today but again i don't think most parents think in terms of the patterns of use that their children are going to be exposed to either in themselves yeah. or in a caretaker that are going to be transferred to the child mm. and so yeah i think it's kind of up to the parents to do to kind of take the lead there. Yes. I'm, I'm sure you've had the experience of parents calling you and saying, my kid's posture's terrible. Can I send them to you? Yes. And to <laughs> tell me what's wrong with that. <laughs> it's it's very, very difficult to just, just teach a child. I mean, yeah. I've had different experiences where the children are sent on their own and then it's just in isolation and parents don't really understand. Or they've sat and watched a lesson and thought well there doesn't seem to be much going on <laughs> right and again they haven't had the experience so uh, yeah it, it doesn't lead to sort of long-term learning um yeah. the best experience i've had is when i teach a child with a parent mm -hmm. and they enjoy the experience together and then and then they can both share the experience at home right so could you give an example of that yeah i think we before our we started talking officially you you mentioned a specific example yes i'm giving um lessons to a, a little 10 year old boy and and his mom and initially i said uh, i said well maybe the parent can sit in because i'd had this experience before of children learning in isolation but actually it was a, a fantastic way of playing games because there was it wasn't just one-to-one -one, there was three of us in the room and so we were able to use the storytelling and the role play and the physical games and because mom was part of it it made it much more of a friendly environment for the child mm -hmm. and um, we all sort of had a go at, at you know doing things together but also then it went home and I was able to give them books to read or stories or send them little films and they were able to share it together and know what was going on so they were both learning it was sort of yes it's mainly for um, the little boy but really it's much more of a holistic uh, learning when the parents involved too worked really well and there are lots of online Alexander resources that a parent yes. a parent can share with their their children. So yeah. um, a, another thing that I think parents might want to look into is the Alexander process called body mapping, yes. which is basically learning on yourself where certain key 
joints and relationships are uh, just kind of like anatomy of the self not not it's not detailed anatomy like medical school anatomy it's very simple actually but most people have very poor conceptions of what what their structure is and children um, can pick up on those ideas very very quickly yes extremely and they, love it. and they enjoy it they really love it and they love seeing the the skeletons mm-hmm. or you know having a play around with things and then finding things on themselves right. or you know the wonderful apps there are now where you can manipulate skeletons on a screen absolutely um, and yeah. they can move joints so yeah they really enjoy those sorts of learning yeah and um the other the other thing that I think might be uh, useful, uh, there have been there are thing there's something called Alexander technique directions self directions which are basically uh, ways of talking telling yourself what you want, and there there are some newer ones called freedom directions and there, there's a lot of material about them now on the web that are very simple and very easily transferable from one person to another neither one has to be an Alexander teacher and uh, uh, my experience is that kids in particular pick up on them very very quickly Mm -hmm. Uh, so there are resources I guess the basic message is there are resources for a parent who wants to get to wants wants to help their children but I don't think a parent can outsource that uh, to somebody else I think they have to be a bit proactive yes uh, yeah in, in themselves do you have any other um, thoughts for parents suggestions ideas I think once you've had um once you've had some lessons if that's at all possible and shared the experience with your children there's there's you know there is as you say resources out there but moments that you can choose like transition points in the day that you can come back to yourself so choosing to clean your children's teeth mindfully or get them to do a bit of washing up with you mindfully and think about their bodies just have certain set times where they can build things up and then um, we created sort of little checklists for children Um, I was doing a project in a primary school looking at sitting and furniture but we created a little how to sit like Terry Tall checklist Mm -hmm. so a child could stop and think about those sort of directions before they got on their with their piece of work and then come back to the little checklist that was in front of them every now and then so once they have some experiences and, and, and learning, then those things are really useful mm-hmm. um, to have. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think it's worth mentioning that it would be of enormous benefit to the parents themselves. Yes. Even apart yes. from their, their children, it's kind of a win-win situation. So yeah. if, there's not, is, if there's nothing else you want to add, do you have anything else you want to say on this topic? I was just thinking in terms of, it's, you know, we often think of it being postural, but um, children can learn so much about their emotions and their physical response to emotions through the Alexander Technique. And that can all be part of building a sense of uh, emotional intelligence as well as sort of having mm-hmm. those physical benefits. So 
um, I use a, a game called Emotion Stones where they have a set of stones with little faces on them with all different emotions and then mm -hmm. they get to role play what happens in their bodies and whether they can guess how the other person's feeling. So I think um, that aids communication within the family or, you know, response in a classroom. So it has this real wonderful psychophysical effect, Alexander Technique learning. Um, so, yes, it has lots of benefits and lots of ways we can work with children. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's end on on that note. Um, my guest today has been Esther Matildiadis, uh, an Alexander teacher in North London, England. She works with Sue Mary at the uh, Educare Small School in Kingston, which emphasizes Alexander uh, along with a more traditional academic um, course as well uh, and I, she also teaches one-on-one -on -one with adults and children at, at her private in her private practice and she gives workshops uh, I will put a link to her site by the interview if you live in the London area you can get hold of her and uh, have lessons or get more information about what she's doing. I'll also put a, a link to the Developing Self site, which she mentioned earlier in the interview, where you can get some information about the, the program they've come up with uh, for integrating Alexander work into the school system. And I'll also put a link to a site where you can find more information about the Alexander technique generally and locate a teacher anywhere in the world. Uh, Esther, thank you so much for being on the show again today. Oh, thank you. It's great to be part of it.